0: Well, hello! Welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G Two. I am G Two. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, before I end today's episode, I will be giving you guys my reactions to the Iron Claw movie trailer that dropped this week, and also what I think. What I think the people's overall. Um, impression of the Iron Claw movie will, will be when it comes out, but that's whenever this episode will be coming towards the end. But with this being the beginning of the episode, let's just start the show with the wrestling highlights of the week. So we start on Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with Seth Rollins, the World Heavyweight Champion. Seth will be out here to peacock about still being the World Heavyweight Champion after retaining his title in a last minute Standing match against Shinsuke Nakamura at Fastlane. Seth would start talking in a somber tone, saying that he is proud to still be your World Heavyweight Champion, and that after his last man standing match, uh, the adrenaline wore off in the back, and he's starting to feel it in his lower back, and Seth would make it seem like he's about to like, relinquish the World Heavyweight Championship, only for Seth to quickly switch it up and say that he is just getting started as your World Champion, so... Seth would say that for one night, he would like to not fight for his life and just have a fun time. Then Drew McIntyre will come down to the ring. Seth would make the assumption that Drew wants to have a championship match tonight. And Seth would state that he is not backing down. Drew would tell Seth that he is wrong. Yes, he would like a world championship match, but not tonight. They could have their match at Crown Jewel. Drew McIntyre wants Seth Rollins to be at his 100% not at a weak and injured state that he's in right now. He tells Seth that he wanted to say this up to him face-to-face, man-to-man, and not jump Seth from behind or any of that other cowardly stuff. Seth would be perplexed by this and say that usually things like this doesn't happen. Usually people would attack me from behind. Nobody ever comes up to me face-to-face and, like, asks for a championship match or anything like this. So Seth would ask the crowd, are they cool with this? The crowd would say they're cool. So the match will be made at Crown Jewel for the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre. Drew would then leave the ring and Seth will be messing with the crowd, partying with them. But Seth will get attacked from behind by Damian Priest. Priest would beat up on Seth. Drew would just stand on the ramp and watch Seth get choke-slammed by Priest. Drew would not get involved until Damian Priest would wave his hand for Dominic Mysterio to run down. With the Money in the Bank briefcase. Because Priest is trying to cash it in. So that's when Drew would step in. Drew would stop Dom. And hit Dom with a Glasgow kiss. Then take the briefcase. And throw it up the stage. Seth will look. And get back up. And start fighting at Priest. And clothesline Priest. Over the top rope. And eliminate Priest. And that's the ending segment. To start Monday Night Raw off. Now, you will get a different segment later in the night with the Judgment Day. You have Priest start yoking up J.D. McDonough on the wall because J.D. was the reason that the Judgment Day lost their tag titles to Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. You see the rest of Judgment Day, Dom, Rhea, Finn, tell Priest to let J.D. down. And Priest does so. Rhea tells J.D. that he's going to make it up to the Judgment Day by taking care of Drew McIntyre. And JD agrees to it, so we will have that match later in the night. And also, Rhea says that she has her own business to take care of, so she will leave Judgment Day to handle her business, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the first match of the night would be a Viking Rules matchup. Kofi Kingston going against Ivar. Ivar would win the match by pinfall by countering a Trouble in Paradise into a power slam and hit Kofi with it through a table in the corner that was set up. Then Ivar will go to the top turnbuckle, hit Kofi with a moonsault to win the match. Um, solid match between Kofi and Ivar here. I'm glad Kofi is starting to take well, I'm not gonna say Kofi. I'm glad wrestlers are taking notes and I believe they're paying attention to what other peers are doing because their other peers are not wearing wrestling gear in like street fight like matches anymore. They're starting to wear like regular street clothing, like in these street fight matches, and I'm happy for it. Again, I've been a uh, Guy, a a proponent for it, and I'm glad to see it happening. So, again, hopefully more wrestlers would take uh, advantage and take notes of it, but it was a solid Viking rules matchup, to be honest with you. Um, After this, we have Raquel Rodriguez going against Nia Jax. This match will be determined as a no contest when Rhea would run to the ring and throw Raquel out of the ring and go after Nia. Raquel would get back in the ring and try to go after Rhea. Rhea would headbutt Raquel and knock her out. Then you have Shayna Baszler run down to the ring and go after Naya, but Rhea would pull Shayna off of Naya. This allowed Naya to roll out of the ring as Rhea and Shayna are bickering because Rhea wants to get at Naya. Shayna wants to get at Naya. Uh, Shayna would hit Rhea with a German suplex and then hit her with a running knee to the face. And that's the end of this segment, but it was set up for Rhea to talk to Adam Pierce later in the night and state that she wants to have a match with Shayna Baszler. Next week overall, because Rhea wants to dominate the women's division again like she was doing in 2023 before Nia Jax came back. So this is Rhea's whole plan trying to dominate again. And it has to start with Shayna Baszler. So that match will get made official. So next week on the Monday Night Raw season premiere, it will be Rhea Ripley going against Shayna Baszler. Now next up, we have the new tag team champions, Jey Uso and Cody Rose coming down to the ring for an interview with Michael Cole. Jay and Cody, they will be in the ring. They're happy to be the new tag champions. You can see it on their face. And also, if you did not see the press conference, at least of Cody and Jay Uso's portion of the press conference that happened at Fastlane, Cody and Jay, they have a they have a fun like back and forth between the two. You can tell they were a little inebriated. I think even Cody said that they had a little bit of drinks before they came out here, but... Cody and Jay, they just look like they have fun and this was gleaming and beaming from the press conference and it beamed from them while they were in the ring here with Michael Cole. But Cole, he would get right straight to the point and get right to business and ask Cody, is he content with being a tag champion? And now, like forgoing his original reason for coming back to WWE for the WWE Championship. Cody at first would dance around that question, but Michael Cole would ask Cody, is he afraid to go after the WWE Championship because of letting people down? Michael will remind Cody of his achievements from this year, winning the Royal Rumble, main eventing WrestleMania, and coming so close to winning the championship, no fault of his own, just like his father. Now, when Michael Cole says this, you can see in Cody's face that that comment, comment like, stroke a nerve with him, but before he could actually answer it, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they will come down to the ring. Sami will tell Cody and Jay that he is sincerely happy to see them as champions, but he does have some mixed emotions about it because he feels that it should be him and Kevin Owens holding those tag team championships. Kevin Owens will say he isn't happy. He doesn't have mixed emotions. He isn't happy seeing Cody and Jay holding those titles and that he would challenge them for a match for the titles tonight. But he knows Jay wouldn't accept it because he couldn't fathom losing the tag team titles to them again. And what Kevin Owens was alluding to was the Usos losing the tag titles to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania this year in the main event of night one. So once Kevin Owens says this, Jay would get in the face of Kevin Owens. Cody would have to separate them. Cody would tell Kevin Owens that he's wrong. They do accept their challenge. So, the main event will be made, Cody and Jey Uso defending the tag titles against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now, after this, we will have a number 1 Contenders Triple Threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. We will have Ricochet going against Bronson Reed, going against Chad Gable. Now, before the match would even begin, before the competitors would even come down to the ring, Ricochet was making his entrance, but Shinsuke Nakamura would attack him from behind this is Nakamura's payback because Nakamura had a backstage interview and Ricochet attacked Nakamura. This is a beef that had been going on for a couple of weeks between the two. So, Nakamura attacks Ricochet. Ricochet is still in this triple threat match. Even though he is coming in as a hurt party, he still puts up his best to fight in this triple threat. But he does not come out the winner. Bronson Reed will come out the winner by pinfall by hitting the Tsunami on Ricochet. So next week, Bronsoree will be facing Gother for the Intercontinental Championship next week on Raw. And also next week on Raw, Ricochet will be going against Shinsuke Nagamore in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Now, after this, we have Drew McIntyre going against JD McDonough with Dominic Mysterio in JD's corner. Drew would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Claymore kick on JD McDonough. And after the match, you would see Damian Priest looking at the screen Damien will talk to Rhea. Rhea will say, I got an idea. Just trust me on this. And we wouldn't get to find out what she means by this in the grand scheme of things, because I'll get to more of that in a minute. Um, next up, we have the NXT Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch defending the NXT Championship against Tegan Knox. Becky will retain her championship by submission by countering a roll-up into the disarm her for the win. Becky's now still your NXT Women's Champion. This match was more for Tegan Knox to get the exposure from uh, the main roster people, the audience, the people who haven't seen her on television uh, before. I mean, Tegan Knox, I would say she had 30, not 30, um, 70% of offense in this match. Against Becky. Becky was still fighting back, but this was more of a Tegan Knox showcasing to let people know what Tegan Knox was able to do. Even Michael Cole was putting over Tegan Knox, stating the adversities that she had over, like go through on commentary. And that was just to, again, hype up Tegan Knox, make her feel big, make her feel important. But Becky is still your champion, your NXT Women's Champion. Tegan Knox put up a good fight. And Tegan Knox, she'll be backstage after this. She'll be sitting on a crate. Natalia, Katana Chance, and Caden Carter would tell Tegan that she put up a good fight. She should keep going. Don't hang your head on this. You put up a good showing against Becky. Then you have Piper Niven and Chelsea Green pulling up and start mocking all the ladies for this pity party that they're having for Tegan Knox. Natalia will step up to Chelsea. Chelsea would take a bad back, and Piper Niven would step up, and we would get our next match made up for next week. Piper Niven's going against Natalya next week on Raw. And while this segment was happening, in the back that you couldn't hear it, you would see Drew McIntyre talking with Rhea Ripley. And you don't know what they're saying. It's probably some Judgment Day Drew McIntyre business that they're having. But you could kind of see where it might be going, because before the main event would happen, for the tag titles, you'll see Drew McIntyre walk up on Jay. And Drew tells Jay point blank, I still don't trust you. I can't wait for this fake facade to end so I can drop you. Jay wouldn't have none of it. Jay tells Drew, I got five minutes. So if you want to do something, we can do it right now. And before they can get it cracking, Sami Zayn, he'll walk up and he say, are we good here? And he'll ask again, are we good here? And Drew said, say, yeah, we're good. Drew will leave. Jay would appreciate Sammy for doing what he just did. And Jay would tell Sammy, but when it comes down to these tag titles, it's all business. Sammy says, you don't got to tell me. I know. So we get to our main event for the tag team titles. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso defending the tag titles against Kevin Owens and Sammy. Jay and Cody will retain their championships by pinfall when Cody and Jay will hit the code D on Kevin Owens, which is the Cody cutter. And the 1D fusion to retain their tag team titles. Good match. The biggest thing about this match was at first, it was all about sportsmanship between three guys Cody, Jay, and Sammy. Kevin Owens was still the odd man out because just like Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens does not trust Jay Uso. So you would get this standoff, and we have everybody doing their business. Jay and Kevin Owens, they'll fight on the outside of the ring. Those two will continue to fight. Cody Rose will try to separate it. Sammy will push Cody off of it. Now, Cody's getting upset. Cody will try to break it up again. Sammy will push Cody off. And now Cody is getting to it with Sammy. And now it's just a traditional tag match versus tag match. Both teams wants to be the tag champions. So they'll start getting busy. But in the end, Cody and Jay, they will retain their titles um, after the match. Cody would get in the ring with Jay. Those two would dap up with the tag titles. Sami Zayn, he would get in there. He would shake um, Cody and Jay Uso's hand. Kevin Owens, he would get in the ring. He would shake Cody's hands, and then he would look at Jay. And then he will walk over to him and hug him. So it seems that Jay Uso has earned the respect of Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens, at least, is giving Jay more of the benefit of the doubt. Now, this is how Monday Night Raw will end. We'll have to wait and see next week on Raw if this type of camaraderie will continue but having said all that that was your raw wrestling highlights of the week and now we move over to nxt nxt will start with one half of the unified tag team champions cody rhodes cody rhodes will come to the ring the fans are loving cody cody gives that same love back to the fans and it's because his father dusty was one of the creative minds of nxt And he has a big, lasting legacy in NXT. So that's the reason why the fans love Cody so much here. And also they're in Florida. So AEW was also in Florida. Well, their home base is in Florida. So you can expect extra love for Cody here. Um, Cody would get straight to business and start making the announcements that he's here to make. He would say that at the end of the women's breakout tournament, the men will have their own breakout tournament. So they're bringing that tournament back. Also, they are bringing back the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, so that tournament is coming back as well. And for this special night, Cody Rhodes has been given the authority to be the special guest general manager. So once Cody makes all those announcements, the NXT champion Ilya Dragunov will come to the ring to talk up Cody. He would give Cody praise, saying that he wants to meet the man that he looks up to, who gives everything he can to the WWE Universe, who endures as much punishment just so he could come out on top and just to show off and embrace and entertain the people. So Ilya will continue to talk up Cody until the NXT North American Champion Dominic Mysterio and the Women's World Champion Rhea Ripley will come out. Dom will talk smack to Ilya and his mission was to get an NXT Championship match. Ilya would agree to put his championship on the line just to shut Dominic up. Cody would say that he knows what Judgment Day is all about and say that in their match, there will be a special guest referee and it will be the Megastar LA Knight. So that match will be made official and you will have that match later in the night. Now, this wasn't really the only time Cody would start making some matches because next week he would set up a tag team battle royal where the last two teams remaining in that battle royal will face off against one another in a standard tag team match, where the winners will be the number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Champions. So you have that match to look forward to next week on NXT. Now, the first match on NXT would be Roxanne Perez going against Asuka. Shotzi will be on commentary here. Asuka would win this match by pinfall by hitting a roundhouse kick on Roxanne Perez to win the match. Solid match from Roxanne and Asuka. Asuka just looked like she dominated Roxanne towards the end, which it should look that way because Asuka is a main event uh, player, and she shouldn't really be too much wounded by someone like Roxanne who's still in NXT, but they show a lot of favor and a lot of, uh, not going to say promise because Roxanne knows her stuff, but... You see what they want to go with Roxanne. You see that they have a future built with Roxanne. So, for Roxanne to have this match with Asuka and come out on a losing end, it wasn't bad for her. And Asuka winning, it wasn't bad for Asuka neither. It was the right choice. Now, after the match, Asuka will show respect to a fallen Roxanne, then leave the ring. Then, Keanu James will get in the ring and badmouth Roxanne. And it looks like Keanu's about to do something. So, Shotzi will leave the commentary table, get in the ring, beat up on Keanu James. Hit her with her DDT and lay Kiana out. Now that will be done later in the night. Oscar will be backstage. Kiana will show respect to Oscar for coming to NXT to handle that Roxanne business and leave. Blair Davenport, she would come in. She would speak Japanese with Oscar and show her respect. That's what I got from that. Then you will see uh, Kalani Jordan come in, show her respect. You will see Fallon Henley come in, and she's about to show. Oscar respect, but Tiffany Stratton, she would just cut the line and she would start playing Pampas to Oscar saying, you already know who I am. I'm not going to be like all these other people that's just like embarrassing themselves to meet you, but I'm glad you're here. Congrats. Oscar will leave. Fallon and Tiffany will have some words. So it seems we're getting a match with Fallon and Tiffany probably next week on NXT. It wasn't announced, but I expect that to happen next week. Also, next week on NXT, we'll have Tegan Knox going against Lyra Valkyria because Tegan Knox wants another crack at Becky and tells Lyra that she has to wait her turn and that she's not going to have that match at Halloween Havoc against Becky. Lyra tells Tegan, it's not my fault you couldn't get the job done on Monday Night Raw. I'm getting my shot. So we have that match set up for next week. Now, next matchup, six-man tag pub rules matchup. The Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bate going against Gallus. The Brutes and Tyler Bate would win this match by pinfall when the Brutes and Tyler Bate would put Joe Coffey through a table with a powerbomb to end the match. Now, a pub rules match is the same thing like a Viking rules, but instead of it being Viking uh, weapons around the ring, it's nothing but like... uh, I want to say pub tables that you see at a uh, bar... You see a keg there. You see, like, things you would see at a bar. Pool sticks, not a pool table, and, like, various of other things. Those weapons would get used. Oh, yeah, they had a dart board and darts there, too, so those would get used as well, but the Brawling Bruce, and Tyler Bait 1, again, Gallus following with Kofi. They wore actual street gear, so I'm glad that that's starting to catch on with a lot of wrestlers again if you're not in a standard wrestling match and you're in a hardcore match or anything of that uh magnitude you need to wear street clothing that's just my personal opinion now next up we will have wwe's greatest of all time john cena coming down to the ring and here's something to make mention during john cena's entrance john cena would notice the fans are singing his theme and that catches john cena off guard and he says that's never happened So he's feeling the energy from NXT. The fans are applauding John for being here. Cena would give that energy right back to the NXT fans saying how great it is to be in NXT where the future is here. Cena would continue to put over how special NXT is and talk about how special Carmelo Hayes is. Then Braun Breaker would come out. Braun would try to talk to John, but the crowd would constantly say bull S. So John would have to stop Braun. And say that everybody knows this business is in your blood. And that you are athletically gifted. But what will be your downfall is your bad attitude. The people would chant for John Cena to cook, Braun Breaker, because that's what John Cena is known to do. He's usually known to just start cooking people. But John would say that's not going to happen. He would say instead, this is a teachable moment. When Cena says this, this will get a pop from the crowd because that's Andre Chase's uh, motto: Whenever he mentions anything, talking about this is a teachable moment, so the fans will get happy about this, and you will see John just tell Braun, "Listen, you don't have to worry about me. I will be standing in Melo's corner, and I'm just here to watch you and Melo go at it." John will put his hand out to Braun and say, "Good luck tonight." Braun would then punch John Cena in the face. Braun would then try to look to hit Cena with a spear, but Cena would move out of the way. Then get Braun up on the shoulders for an attitude adjustment. Braun would quickly get off John's shoulder and slide out of the ring. So we end this segment here. Solid segment. It shows that I think the main roster people like going to NXT now. Just so they can feel the energy from the NXT uh, audience. Because that small... The small venue that NXT is in, like the Performance Center, you get to feel the energy, and I think that it bounces off the walls, so you get to feel everything and hear everything, and it just makes it more special to the performers in there. So, for John to get to like, experience that, hopefully he'll get to tell people on the main roster when he goes back up there how special NXT truly is, and hopefully we'll get more main roster talent onto NXT, and the biggest... Like draw, in my personal opinion, outside of John Cena and at Cody Rhodes that they were able to get is Roman Reigns. So, maybe we might get Roman up here in NXT. Just as a cameo. Maybe. Now, next up, NXT Championship match. Ilya Dragunov, the champion, going against Dominic Mysterio, who has Ray Ripley in his corner. Ilya Dragunov would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Torpedo Headbutt. Now, towards the end of the match, as usual, Judgment Day shenanigans. Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, and Rhea Ripley would try to interfere. But L.A. Knight, being a special guest referee, he would take care of Finn and punch him off the apron. Uh, L.A. Knight and Ilya would take care of J.D. McDonough. When J.D. would come in, he would try to attack Ilya. Ilya would uh, hit him with some type of move, and then L.A. would hit him with a BFT and throw J.D. McDonough out of the ring. Rhea Ripley, she'll get on the apron. Trick Williams, he'll run down to the ring to yank Rhea off the apron. To allow Ilya to hit Dominic with the torpedo headbutt. To retain the NXT Championship. Now after the match. Baron Corbin who is making a gripe. Because he's supposed to be next for the NXT Championship. And he sees that Ilya is basically ducking him. Because he was the last guy to beat Ilya. Baron would start making his way to the ring. And he would notice somebody's in the ring. And he would shout at Ilya to look out. Ilya would turn into a big boot from Dijak. Dijak. Is in the ring. He yells at Ilya saying that championship is mine. Then you see Dijak leave the ring, get in Baron Corbin's face, and tell him that he's next for the NXT championship. Now, later in the night, Baron Corbin would have a meeting with Cody, and he's trying to tell Cody that he should be next in line because he beat Braun Breaker at no mercy. And Cody says, you're right. You should be next in line. But Dijak, he just made his mission statement right there, and I can make a... Argument saying that he should be next for the NXT Championship. So Cody would make the decision that next week on NXT, we'll get a special uh number one contenders match between Dijak, Barrett Corbin, and the winner between Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker, where the winner will be facing Ilya Dragunov at Halloween Havoc. So we have that match made official. Only thing we have to do is wait to see who will be the third man. Now, next up, we have the NXT Breakout Tournament. It would be Lola Vice with Electro Lopez in her corner going against Danny Palmer. Lola Vice would win the match by pinfall by hitting a spinning heel kick to win the match. So Lola Vice does advance in the NXT breakout tournament. Now we would get to the main event. But before I get to that, I do want to mention something. Backstage early in the night, you had Carmelo Hayes talking with John Cena. Then Trick Williams would come in. Melo and Trick, you see they having some issues. Melo's trying to... Uh, be cordial and be nice to Trick. Tricks like taking it in, but he's not really taking it in. Melo says, "Once I get done handling Braun tonight, I'll get back by NXT Championship." And then he looks at Trick and say, "And you'll get back your North American Championship." And Tricks just like, "Yeah, yeah." And John, he's t- feeling like there's something between the two. And once Mello says, "Yo, I gotta get myself dressed for the main event." John would look at Trick's face and John would ask, Trick, are you good? Trick would say, Yeah, I'm good. And he would ask John a question When did you know your time was now? John understands what Trick is saying and he says, All right, let me talk to you. So we're already starting to see some friction between Mello and Trick. Since Trick lost the NXT North America Championship last week, you can already start seeing that he might want to go after the bigger fish, the NXT Championship. But since his boy, Melo, Once that your back, you can kind of see there's going to be that problem between those two. So hopefully John gave him some words of wisdom, but we'll have to wait and see. Also on NXT, you got to see Paul Heyman talk to Ava Rain. You didn't get to hear it, but you got to see it because uh, they're still doing the NXT anonymous deal where someone in NXT is recording people's personal conversations, but you don't actually hear the conversation. You just see it. And in one room, you saw Paul Heyman talking to Ava Rain, who, if people don't know, that's the Rock's daughter. She was a part of a group named The Schism. The Schism is no longer together. So you can see Paul probably trying to recruit Ava for the bloodline, and he pointed at his back of his phone saying bloodline. So again, we don't know if he did that or trying to recruit her. You can only like assess that because it would make sense. But nobody knows because you didn't even get to hear it. But. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the future. Now it's an event. Carmelo Hayes with John Cena in his corner, going against Braun Breaker, who has Paul Heyman in his corner. Melo would win the match by pinfall by hitting nothing but net on Braun to win the match. Now towards the end of the match, Braun wanted to use the steel steps on Melo, but John Cena would kick Braun in the like stomach, then grab the steps away from him. Solo Sokoa, you would come down to the ring. John will use the steps to hit Solo with it. And now you got John Cena and Solo fighting from the ring to the back. Now it's left to Baron. God, not Baron, but Braun and Mello. Mello will hit a breaker. Another Burnett win the match that way. Now, after the match, Braun would spear Mello and grab a mic and say that no matter who they are, there's only one badass in NXT, and it's Braun Breaker. And I want to correct that. He didn't say just NXT, he's at WWE. So when he says that, and he says, it's Braun Breaker, you would then hear the Undertaker's gong sound off. And we get the American badass version of the Undertaker come riding down to the ring in the motorcycle. The fans were happy to see Undertaker here. Booker T was happy to see Undertaker here. They have history, so he was good. To see Taker. Uh, Taker would get in the ring. Baron. God not Baron. Braun. They're so close to names. But Braun would call Taker an old timer. Taker would tell Braun. That he's been watching him. For some time now. And that Braun will be a star in the business one day. But tonight isn't it. Taker would punch Braun. Then hit him with a choke slam. To lay Braun out. And he would tell Braun that there's always someone older, wiser, and more of a badass around the corner. And you just happen to meet the biggest badass in the WWE. So NXT will go off with Undertaker helping Carmelo Hayes to his feet. And Taker and Melo would show each other respect. And that's how NXT will end. So again, next week is now a number one contenders. Triple Threat match between Baron Corbin, Dijak, and Carmelo Hayes. And the winner will be facing Ilya Dragunov at Halloween Havoc. So expect that match to be next week. That match sure to be great. And expect some shenanigans, I feel, with Trick and Carmelo next week on NXT. Because I have a feeling Carmelo's probably going to ask Trick what did he talk about with John, And Trick's probably not going to want to say much. But again, that's going to lead to some friction. So expect that on next week's episode of NXT. So with that, that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we turn over to AEW Dynamite, and this is a special edition of Dynamite. This is their Tuesday uh, title night of Dynamite because I believe they had to switch over from Wednesday to Tuesday for this week because of baseball, I believe. But anyway, the first thing to happen on Dynamite would be a number one contenders match for the TNT Championship. It would be Brian Danielson going against Swerve Strickland, who have Prince Nana in his corner. Brian Danielson would win the match by a pinfall thanks to Hangman Page interfering. When Nana would get on the apron, Swerve would take Nana's crown and look to hit Brian with it, but Hangman would take the crown from Swerve. And this allowed Brian Danielson to hit a Buseko knee on Swerve to win the match. So now Brian Danielson will be facing Christian for the TNT Championship at Collision. And this wasn't the end of Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland's. Interactions with each other tonight on Dynamite. Now the next matchup will be Chris Jericho going against Powerhouse Hobbs with Don Callis in Hobbs' corner. Hobbs would win this match by pinfall by hitting a world's strongest slam on Chris Jericho to win the match. Throughout this whole match, Hobbs was working over Chris Jericho's midsections, the ribs, the kidneys, the liver, all that stuff just to weaken Jericho down. And this match was all about Powerhouse Hobbs beating on Jericho. There will be multiple times in the match you see Hobbs hitting a spine buster, then working over the midsection, hitting a spine buster again, working over the midsection. He hits a pop world strongest slam, gets the, tries to get the pin, win there. Didn't get it happen. And then he hits it again for the second time. Then he gets the win. So, again, a lot of midsection work from Hobbs here. After the match, Hobbs will hit another world strongest slam on Jericho. And this was to lay Jericho out. So he would get looked at by the medical staff in the back. And they will say that Jericho had to be taken to a local facility so they can get more uh, work on Jericho to see how he's looking at. The reason why Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks weren't there, Kenny, he got taken out last week, and the Bucks are with Kenny right now, so they were not at the arena for this incident. Now, next up, the AEW International Championship match. Orange Cassidy going against Ray Phoenix. Now originally it was supposed to be John Moxley going against Phoenix but the medical staff wouldn't clear Moxley so Orange Cassidy would get his rematch for the international championship and Arch Cassidy would make the best of it because he would win back his international championship when he would hit Ray Phoenix with an arch punch then lock in the mousetrap pin on Ray Phoenix to win the match and now, Orange Cassidy is a two-time international champion. And Orange Cassidy, he was more aggressive in this match. Orange Cassidy, for some weeks now, has been trying to get some type of championship gold. It seems that the Orange Cassidy character, yes, he might still be that laid-back guy. But you starting to see him... I'm not going to say perk up. But you start to see him become a little bit less laid-back. A little bit become a little bit more... Um, unchilled, because he wants championship gold, and now that he has his back, you see we're about to enter another phase of Orange Cassidy, because when you held that international championship in his hands, you saw his face just, like, look a certain type of way. Not a face of, wow, shock, not a face of happiness, but, like, a face of, this is mine. This is my championship, and even when he left the ring, the best friends and Rocky Romero were out there, And you saw when, I believe it was Chuck or Rocky, like, tap Orange on the shoulder, like, to say good job. Orange just kind of, like, snapped out of it for a minute and looked at him. And he had to get himself back together and then, like, walk up the ramp with the championship in hand. So, again, I see instead we're getting a variation or a different variation of Orange Cassidy. No more this laid-back guy, just, like, whatever. I think he actually does care about this international championship a lot. So we might get to see a more aggressive side of Orange Cassidy going forward. And speaking of aggression, Warlow, he will be out here. He'll go against Matt Seidel, and uh, Warlow would win the match just like he did last week with referee stoppage. When Warlow would hit four power bombs, then the referee would call for the bell. Straight domination, straight, total, complete domination for Warlow here on Matt Seidel. And something that I didn't pick up on, last week until I went to Twitter and somebody mentioned it, and he had it this week on as well. On his wrist tape, I believe on his left hand, well left arm, it had MJF wrote like right on the wrist tape. So I'm not certain if this is going to be playing into something bigger later down the line or what it is, but MJF is written right on Warlord's wrist tape. So I have a feeling we're going to run this back with Warlord MJF, something with that, especially with the way that MGF's acting now, and trying to be a better person, I can feel that Warlo is probably going to be the guy that like cuts the cord with that and say you're nothing but a snake, you're a liar, you're all this stuff. Because Warlow knows the true MGF. And again, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I just want everyone to look at Warlow's wrist next time he comes out for a match, and you'll see MGF written on it. And this will start getting you out your mind to think about what they're planning on to do with Warlow and MGF in the future. Now, next up, we have Hangman Page going against Jay White with Bullet Club Gold in this corner. Jay White is still in possession of the AEW World Championship, or better known as the Triple B. So, he still has that in his corner. He has, like, the Bullet Club guys look after the championship here. Jay White would win the match by pinfall. Thanks to Prince Nana interfering, when Hangman would hit Jay White with a dead eye, Jay White would kick out at the count of two. Then you would see the Bullet Club Gold guys get on the apron and distract the referee. Nana will come down to the ring and look to hit Hangman with his crown, but Hangman will grab Nana's hand that's holding the crown, and this will allow Jay White to roll up Hangman and grab his tights to win the match. So, after the match, Hangman will start chasing Nana up the ramp. So, as I said before, Hangman, Nana, and Swerve, this whole business between them, it isn't over. And this was just Nana's way of getting back at Hangman for interfering in Swerve's match and opportunity earlier in the night. Now, moving away from this, we still have Bullet Club Gold in the ring and the real world champion, MJF, he will come out. He's still holding the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles around his waist, but... He wants his championship back. He tells Jay that since he has his match at Full Gear, it's time to hand back the AEW World Championship where it rightfully belongs. Jay will tell MJF that he hasn't earned it. Yes, they have a match at Full Gear and he just has to wait until Full Gear and he might win it so he can actually become a champion. MJF will talk to Jay and say that he knows Jay more than he thinks because he knows how Jay operates because he is Jay and that is Jay only cares about himself and that he is using the people around him to get what he wants. He knows that he doesn't care about those people. He's using them to fit his agenda. And right now that agenda is the AEW World Championship. However, unlike Jay, MGF is trying to make the change every day to become a better man. Jay White will tell MGF that was cute but he still isn't getting the championship back. However, he could find three other people to team up with him or even tolerate him, beat the Bullet Club Gold in a match, and he just might get his championship back. Now, once Jay says this, Juice Robinson will step up to the mic, and he will have something to say to MJF regarding the AEW Dynamite Diamond Ring.
1: And Friedman, before you leave, Friedman, I heard through the grapevine... That next week, there's a dynamite diamond dozen battle royal, baby. For chance to win that stupid ring that you care about so much. So throw my name in, because I'm going to win the battle royal. I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm going to take your ring. And we're going to have everything that you love, you idiot. And then guess what? When that's all done, I'm going to give you a little present. Something you're really going to like. I don't know if you can see it, but it's got your name on it, buddy, old boy. Right there, Friedman. Ten dollars worth. You know what I do with these, Sonny Jack? I break idiots jaws. So after we ruin your life... I'm gonna put a roll of quarters in my
2: hand. Hey, you come near me with those quarters. I'll end your life, you piece of shit.
0: Now, as you can hear from MGF's voice, that quarter comment really got to him because if anybody has been keeping up with AEW or if you're new to it, let me just break it down quickly. MGF talks about how when he was in school, he would get bullied, and that he got to a point that people would just get at him because he was Jewish and that they would throw quarters at him and tell him to pick it up, Jew boy. So when Juice Robinson mentioned quarters in his hand and about to punch MGF in his face next week with the uh, stack of quarters, that instantly triggered something in MGF to make him react that way. And in reality, anybody would react that way. MGF did the right thing by straight up cutting that off and not even letting Juice even finish that. So that was good for him on that part. Um, But this is another Scenario where I think this is kind of like that karma that's coming back on MGF, the character, because MGF in his early days of AEW, even in 2019, 2020, 21, even sometimes in even 2022, I can't remember what he did in 2022. They might have, oh no, yeah, calling uh, Tony Khan of to effing Mark last year, but MGF has always been a wild boy. He's always said wild things like off the cuff and stuff that you would think that, yo, you're kind of crossing the line here from the Darby Allen stuff with his dead uncle to uh, Brian Pillman Jr. When he was in AEW talking about Brian Pillman tapping on the, like smashing his feet on the mat and saying, Hey, Pillman, we got to talk and looking down like saying Pillman's in hell. I mean, there's a lot of wild stuff that MGF has done in his career in AEW. And for him now to get popped with this, with the quarter situation, this is just an area of which the character MGF is now reaping what he sows for his past dues in AEW from his past sins in AEW. So with this, it was kind of like a Ooh, shocking deal. But let this be a thing for the MGF character to get better. And also, this is a teachable moment for other people. When you do shitty things in the past, best believe somebody's going to probably hit you with something shitty and you can't cry boo-hoo about it because you did some sh- like shitty things in the past. It's now coming back to you. You reap what you sow, basically. So MGF, he would leave. He would go to the back. And later in the night, you would see him try to get interviewed by Renee Paquette. But MGF would say, right now, Renee, if I was old me, I would be yelling at you and fussing at you. But I'm trying to be better. I don't want to interview right now. And Renee would leave. MGF would call Adam Cole up. Adam is still with Roddy at his weirdo house that's apparently got no cell service. So he tries to get Adam on the line. He gets him for a minute. It starts getting choppy. Adam Cole's uh, phone would break up, and now MJF's by himself. He feels down and out, and then the Acclaim will walk up. More specifically, Max Caster. Max Caster would try to tell MGF listen, I heard what happened out there. How about you get us the Acclaim, and we'll team with you to go against Bullet Club Gold, Because Max Caster kind of has this infatuation with MGF. MGF would look at Max and just walk away. Billy Gunn would tap Max and ask him, What are you doing? First and foremost, when do you ever get to call the shots of enlisting our services? And two, what do you see in MGF? Max will let everybody know that he has knew MGF for 10 years. He's kind of trained with him for 10 years and he knows MGF and that that's his friend. And that's kind of like the only friend that MGF actually has right now. So he wants to help out his friend. So we have this Roman with whether the claim is going to join MGF or will, will MGF actually allow the claim to do so? So that's a big question mark that we still have to figure out right there. More than likely, we will get it. So expect that to actually happen. Um, next up, the AEW Women's Championship matchup Hikaru Sheeta going against Soraya. Sheeta is now your new women's champion when she beats. Uh, Surreal by pinfall, by countering a pin into her own pin to become now a new three-time AEW Women's Champion and the only three-time AEW Women's Champion. Um, during this match, Ruby Soho, she would try to interfere, even though technically she was barred from ringside. She was wearing a disguise all black. Uh, she would try to spray paint Sheeta. Sheeta would turn the spray paint around, and Ruby would spray paint herself in the face, Tony Storm will come out. She'll start hitting Ruby in the back with slippers, the shoes, if you will. And Tony would throw Ruby over the guardrail into the crowd. So now you got Tony chasing after Ruby into the crowd, into the back. So it'll be left back to Sheeta and Soraya. And again, Sheeta's now your new women's champion. Congratulations for Sheeta. This is the first time I think in AEW history that. You've seen, actually, a championship be won twice by someone in the exact same year. So, I'm glad Sheeta got this, to be completely honest, because her second championship reign was short. Hopefully, this third one will be longer, but again, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Now, next up, we have Christian Cage and Luchasaurus coming down to the ring. And Christian Cage is out here before he has Luchasaurus goes against Adam Copeland. He will explain what he did to Adam and why he told Adam those three words last week on Dynamite.
2: And I found it interesting that he said that Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne were gonna turn on me when they got all the information that they needed based on his experience in the past. Well, the difference is Adam, I didn't take some ragtag group dress them up like it's Halloween and convince them they're tough guys. You tried to be their leader. I am not their leader. I am their father. That's the difference. Oh, God. And it also made me laugh. You actually almost made me crack a smile when you came out and gave the big rah-rah speech of, hey, let's get the team back together. Let's Let's have all these dream matches. Let's finish our careers together. And it's funny that that same sentiment wasn't there a few years ago. Adam, when I was deliberately being held back, even though I was clearly the more talented of the two while you were getting pushed to the moon. Why didn't you want to get back together then, Adam, huh? Where were your tag team aspirations then, I ask? And my, how times have changed because as your career is on a downward slope, my career keeps climbing to new heights because I am without a doubt the hottest star in this industry. I am the most talked about star in this business. And you came out here under the guise that you want to get the tag team back together when the fact is you need me. I don't need you. But I can't say I blame you for being a fan, Adam. I have a lot of fans around the world.
0: In fact, I know your wife Beth is a huge fan. So we have Christian's reasoning for why he told Edge to go F himself last week. And to be honest, Christian does kind of got a point. Because when Christian was on the downslide in WWE, or they might say the other company, Edge was getting pushed to the top. They always saw Edge as a main event guy. Whoever they are, in which we kind of always think it was Vince, but they always saw Edge as that guy. So that's why Christian had to leave WWE, become a main event guy, and impact uh, go back to WWE, they still didn't give him the push in the respect that someone like a Christian you would think would get, so they still didn't do that, and then what happens? Edge retires or Reg is, Edge is forced to retire, Adam sorry, is forced to retire, Christian is forced to retire they both come back at different times, Christian leaves, he goes to AEW, he becomes one of the biggest talking points of AEW when he turns on Jungle boy and does the whole your father's dead kick that he's been doing now and he's a TNT champion while Adam on the other end yeah he has some great matches and he has like some great rivalries but he was never like the talking point or the actual person so now when Adam comes into AEW he wants to join back with Christian and you can see from Christian's side you need me I don't need you I'm good right now so where was all that concern years ago whenever uh the shoe was on the other foot, so you can see why Christian is kind of apprehensive to joining back up or clicking back up with Adam Copeland here, and when he said that comment about Beth, Adam's wife, Adam would come down to the ring, and now Christian will leave the ring. Luchasaurus would be staring down with Adam. Uh, Nick Wayne would run down. He will hold Adam's foot. Luchasaurus would big boot Adam and start beating up on him. Referee would come in to separate it. Ask Adam if he still wants to go on with this match with Luchasaurus here. And Adam will say yes. So we get our main event. Luchasaurus with Nick Wayne in this corner. Going against Adam Copeland who would win the match by pinfall. When Nick Wayne will get on the apron to distract the referee. Christian will come down to the apron. And look to hit Adam with the TNT Championship. Adam would take the championship from Christian. Hit Luchasaurus in the back of the head with the championship. Adam would then throw The championship back to Christian. Christian would catch it. And now, as Luchasaurus is getting up and he's holding his head, Christian's holding the smoking gun. And Luchasaurus just cocks his head at Christian and looks at him like, you hit me with the championship. Why? Christian would tell Luchasaurus that it wasn't him. And he would tell Luchasaurus to look out. And once Luchasaurus turned around, Adam would hit Luchasaurus with a spear to win the match here. So Adam Copeland would get the win over Luchasaurus. After the match, Nick Wayne would attack Adam from behind. Luchasaurus would join. And Christian is just on the outside watching this. Brian Danielson, he would run down to help Adam out here. So you got Brian Danielson and Adam going against Luchasaurus. Nick Wayne. Now Christian decides to get himself in. Christian starts uh, beating up on Brian Danielson. Now you get the Blackpool Comic Club, Claudio, and Yuta coming down to. Help out Brian Danielson. Then you get the Gates of Agony. And then Swirl comes out. Then Hangman Page comes out. And now we just got a whole just like barrage of brawling going down. And the last four men in the ring would be Brian Danielson, who has Christian Cage in the Labelle lock. Nick Wayne, he would try to help out, but he would eat a spear from Adam. And Christian, he's tapping out to the label. He's tapping out, and this could be a glimpse of what happens on AEW collision tonight on Saturday. So Again, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen on Collision to see what transpires between Brian Danielson and Christian Cage for the TNT Championship, and that will end Dynamite. So with that, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now moving over to Impact Wrestling, we will start off with the Impact Tag Team Championships being defended where the Rascals will be going against the challengers Rich Swann and Sammy Callahan. The Rascals will retain their championships by pinfall, Using dirty tactics, when Rich Swan was on the top turnbuckle, Trey Miguel will pull Rich, and Rich would fall onto the top turnbuckle padding. The referee would see Rich, but miss seeing Zachary Wentz hitting Sammy Callahan with a low blow. And this allowed the Rascals to hit Fire Flame, which is a pushing moonsault onto Sammy to win the matchup and retain their tag team titles. Now, the Rascals will be facing Ace Austin and Chris Bay at Bound for Glory, for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Next up, we have a five-person matchup, where the winner will get the number 20 spot in the Call Your Shot gauntlet at Bound for Glory, and the loser, the person that got pinned or submitted, will enter that gauntlet at number one. In this match, you had Dirty Dango, Jordan Grace, Eric Young, Champagne Singh, and Jake Something. Dirty Dango would win this match by pinfall, thanks to a debuting Oleg, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name, but it's the wrestler formerly known as Vladimir Kozlov in WWE. He made his debut here in Impact. Oleg will come down to the ring and take out Eric Young and Champagne Singh. Jake Something will look at Oleg as Oleg's on the ring apron. Dango would shove Jake into Oleg, and Jake will get hit with a headbutt. This allowed Dirty Dango to hit a reverse DDT on Jake Something to cover him for the win. So, Dirty Dango will now enter at the number 20 spot, and Jake Something will enter at the number 1 spot. Also, at the end of the match, Oleg would raise up the hand of Dirty Dango. So, Dango has his new guy on his patrol. Dango has Alpha Bravo, and now he has Oleg in his corner. Oleg's basically going to be there. his uh, big man guy that basically takes out people, his muscle. So... All right, cool. We got this little rad tag group here. I'm not mad at it. Dirty Dangles whole deal is that he hates pro wrestling, even though he's doing it. But he just craps on it every opportunity that he can get. So for him to enter number 20 in this call your shot gauntlet and possibly even win it, is basically going to give like the biggest fu in this character-wise to impact in the world of professional wrestling, at least in my personal opinion on that, at Battle for Glory, but we'll have to wait and see. Also, I noticed that he had a Bray Wyatt uh, tattoo on his shoulder. Um, It looked great. So, again, that was just something that I noticed, and I'm pretty sure other people noticed it as well. But, um, yeah, to show you how much Bray affected Dango as well. Dango has a picture also of uh, Luke Harper or Brody Lee, as people will know, him, on his uh, shoulder as well. So, I like seeing people get tattoos of their friends that have passed away on them to let people know that they still hold some type of uh, special remembrance to them. Again, nothing to do with wrestling. and That was just something that I noticed, so that was a nerdy moment of me here. Um, next matchup, we had Courtney Rush with Jessica in her corner going against Tasha Steels who had Deanna Parrazo in her corner. Tasha would win the match by pinfall by hitting a cutter on Rush for the win. Now, this gives Tasha and Deanna Purrazzo momentum as they go into their matchup against Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich at Bound for Glory for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships. So, this is giving that team something as basically next week's Bound for Glory. Now, we go to the main event, the two out of three falls, killer Impact match between Eddie Edwards and Frankie Kazarian. The first fall would be... uh, Concluded by pinfall, and that would go to Eddie Edwards by hitting the Boston Knee Party on Frankie Kazarian. The second fall would be won by Kazarian by submission, and he would do that by locking in a crossface chicken wing on Eddie, making Eddie tap out. And the third fall would be a last man standing match between the two, and Kazarian would win this match by hitting a fade to black, or better known as a dead eye if you watch AEW and Hangman Page. And he would do this by hitting it off the ring apron onto a table outside of the ring. And as the referee was counting to 10, at the count of 8, you saw Frankie start going to the uh, guardrails to help him get to his feet before the count of 10. So that's what happened, and Kazarian wins the 2 out of 3's killer impact match. Now, the first fall, it was a regular standard style match between the two. Nothing really to clamor about the second fall is when you start getting into some of the gritty stuff because in the second fall Eddie Edwards busted open like Kazarian's chest and it had blood leaking out. Usually you don't see that, usually you see their uh chest start like getting bruised up, red up whenever someone keeps on chopping it a lot. But <laughs> Eddie Edwards he was able to break skin and have Kazarian's chest is like bleeding and it was bleeding bad for. Uh, the second spot, and Kazarian wearing white trunks, his blood got on it, and commentary even mentioned how the former white, like, clear trunks that he was wearing got stained up, and you got to see it, like, as the match will progress, and again, Kazarian was able to fight out of that in the second fall, locking the crossface chicken wing, now in the third fall, last I'm standing, they just start doing whatever they can, you had Kindle 6 being used, uh, you had a cookie, cookie uh, sheet being used, Steel chairs being used. Um Kazarian, he would eat a superplex off the top turnbuckle onto a pile of chairs. Uh Kazarian would wail on Eddie Edwards um outside of the ring. At one point they had a table outside of the ring, and uh you saw I believe Frankie was gonna put Eddie through it, but then I don't know where Alicia Edwards she would hit Frankie in the back with a Kindle stick, so she got herself involved. However, Frankie would put Alicia through a table outside of the ring. And again, Impact is doing something that not a lot of major wrestling uh, shows are doing. I mean, AEW did it like during the summer when uh, Andrade pushed Julia Hart off the ladder to Buddy through the table. But not a lot of men putting their hands on women in wrestling. Back in the day, that used to happen, but not now. And I understand it's corporate stuff, sponsors, and all that type of stuff, but Impact is able to do it, and you're able to make that a part of a story, and people will actually say, yep, she got what she deserved, and again, we're missing that, but hopefully we'll get that soon, because I still am on the side of really needs to get put through some type of table, or get hit with a finish, some way, somehow, I think we're going to get there, like, whenever a certain person comes back, maybe a Randy, or maybe, like, somebody unexpectedly does it, but uh, again, Impact was able to do it here, and they didn't catch any backlash on it, So I think that the major companies should be able to do so as well, but again, it would all fit in the story of what Eddie Edwards and Kazarian have been telling for, I believe, giving commentary, said it for the past like six months, and I don't even remember that it's been going on six months between Kazarian and Frankie, uh, Kazarian and Eddie, but it has been. This match was straight, 203 falls, I implore you to go watch it, implore you to go watch uh, this match, it should be on, I believe, Impact's YouTube page right now, but With that being said, that's your Impact Wrestling, wrestling highlights of the week. Now we move over to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with John Cena. And again, they reference him as the greatest of all time. And before John Cena could actually get his bearings under, Roman Reigns will come out with Paul Heyman and Solzicoa by his side. Roman would take umbrage with John Cena being called the greatest of all time. Roman will say that he is the greatest of all time and that they have encountered this situation before. And Roman would say, just like last time, he's going to give Cena a choice. Either he leaves, or they are going to make Cena leave. Cena would tell Roman that he isn't here to challenge Roman or anything of that nature. He's actually here to acknowledge Roman. Cena would say that Roman's reign as champion has been oppressive, and that he himself hasn't earned the right to challenge Roman. But he knows someone that has, and out walks L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight would get in the ring and Cena would one hand of the microphone and tell him it's his time. Knight would insult Roman and say that while Roman was at home for a month and a half, Knight has become the fastest rising star in SmackDown history. Roman would chuckle at this and say that he has done things in this industry that Knight can only dream about and what makes Knight think that he could be in Roman's ring talking to him a certain way. Now as L.A. Knight was rebutting What Roman just said, Jimmy Uso would attack Knight from behind. Jimmy would look to throw Knight out of the ring, but L.A. Knight would reverse it and throw Jimmy out. Now you have L.A. Knight looking at Roman, telling him if he wants to do something, let's go. Paul Heyman would advise Roman not to do it, not to do this on L.A. Knight's time, but to do it on his time. So Roman would take that advice, and Roman would leave the ring, and Solo would follow. Roman would tell Solo not to worry about John Cena, but to handle L.A. Knight. So later in the main event, we would get L.A. Knight versus Sol in the main event. Now, we'll go off to our first match of the night. It will be the Brawling Brutes going against the returning Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly would win the match by pinfall using dirty tactics. When Ridge Holland would T-Bone suplex Elton Prince, Prince would land on the mat and hold his knee. Now, this had the referee look after uh, Elton... And check to see if he was okay. Ridge would try to go after Elton, but the referee will stop him. So you have Kit Wilson go over and check on Elton. And this will have Ridge kind of nervous because Ridge was the guy that injured Elton Prince not on purpose. That's why Elton was on the shelf all this time. So now that he's back and this is his first match back and he's being injured, quote unquote, by Ridge this time, Ridge is nervous. So Kit will be on the apron. Ridge will be next to Elton just trying to see if he's good. And then this will allow Kit to kick Ridge in the head. Elton Prince would then quickly roll up Ridge Holland for the win for his team. So Pretty Daily is back as a team. And they win their first match from Elton Prince's injury. Um, next up, we will have Bailey with damage control in her corner going against Selena Vega. The reason how this match comes together was because Carlito was backstage. Carlito would get attacked by the Street Profits backstage. Bailey would walk up and say that she is trying to get a championship celebration for EO. They don't need to be worried about Carlito. Selena would take some offense to this. So that's how we come to this match between Bailey and Selena. Bailey would win the match by pinfall. Thanks to a distraction from EO Sky, Selena will look to hit Bailey with a code red. EO will get on the apron and distract the referee. Selena would then hit EO with a 619, knocking EO off the apron and this allowed Bailey to knee Selena, then get Selena in the ring and hit her with a rose plant for the win. Now, after the match, Bailey and Io would attack Selena until Charlotte Flair will come down to the ring and start uh, making damage control, basically flee the ring and to the back. Now, next up, we will have Triple H coming down to the ring. Triple H is out here because he has an announcement to make, and in the ring with him would be Adam Pearce. Triple H would give it up to Adam Pierce for being the man that held down both Raw and SmackDown for the last three years, which is a thankless job, so he wants to give uh, Pearce his flowers. Uh, Triple H would tell Adam Pierce that he is getting a promotion and that he will be the general manager of Monday Night Raw. Triple H was going to introduce the SmackDown general manager, but the North American champion, Dominic Mysterio, will come down to the ring. Complaining about Cody and Jay defending the tag team titles Tonight on SmackDown with the Judgment Day getting their rematch on Raw. So he doesn't see how this is happening. Triple H would tell Dom that he is complaining to the wrong people. And Triple H would then introduce the new SmackDown general manager. And it's Nick Aldis. For the people that's not aware of who Nick Aldis is. Nick Aldis is a former uh, TNA champion. He's a former NWA champion. He has all the credentials to... Do this gig for uh SmackDown and plus, I think, with a new face that WWE doesn't know, I think this will allow them to uh gain some type of trust with Nick, maybe. Because usually, with people that come into these uh, usually, when people come into these new roles in WWE, at least on character, certain people you know, certain people you don't, with the people that you don't know, it allows people to go back. And look at your history, if you were a wrestler or if you weren't, and what you were doing at other promotions. It allows people to gain knowledge about who you are. And with Nick, you have all the knowledge that you can look up. He was just in Impact a couple months ago, and before that, he was in NWA a couple years ago. And he was against Cody at the first ever All-In for uh, AEW. But before AEW was an f- actual thing, it was just... the. Uh, event that Cody and the Bucks had, so Nick Aldis, he has a lot, like, under his belt in his years as a professional wrestler, so if people want to know who Nick Aldis is, it gives the fans some, um, it gives them something to look forward to, and actually gives them some research to do, homework, if you will, so Nick Aldis, he would get in the ring, he would shake hands with Triple H, Adam Pearce, and even Dominic, and he would tell Dominic he's a huge fan of his father. And Nick will then talk about the whole Raw-Smackdown trade where Jay went over from Smackdown to Raw. And Nick was about to introduce the new addition to the Smackdown roster. Don will interrupt and say that he doesn't care who it is because he will slap them. And, well, it's Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will come to the ring, hit Dominic with a stunner, and stun Dominic out of the ring. Now, Kevin Owens is on Smackdown. This will lead to... Roman Reigns in the back watching this. Roman Reigns, he's not happy. Because already he has Kevin Owens now on his show. He now has Cody Rhodes coming to a show whenever he feels like it. Because he is a tag team champion. And now you have Jay coming on his show. Because again, tag team champion with Cody. And now these are all three guys that Roman Reigns has problems with. So now this adds another person to deal with. And he would look at Jimmy... And he would get upset with Jimmy because he told Jimmy earlier that he wanted Jimmy to handle the J problem. And so, Jimmy would leave. And as he's doing so, he has Solo go out with him. So, we have this. This seems that we're going to have new problems with Roman on the horizon with Kevin Owens back here. And it seems that we're almost about to restart the Roman Reigns uh, story, if I'm going to be honest with you. Because last person that he went against was Jay Uso. And if you look at how his uh, championship actual like reign started, yes, he beat Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman to win the titles, but his first feud was Jey Uso. And then the sex per- second person up was Kevin Owens. It seems that we're about to head to Kevin Owens next, since now Kevin Owens is on SmackDown. Again, this is just my thought process of where I think we're headed, but I could be wrong especially what happens later on in the night, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, We will go to the back. Nick Aldis will have a conversation with Charlotte Flair in his office, and he tells Charlotte that he saw what happened at Fastlane, how she got screwed by Damage Control, because if Damage Control didn't interfere in that triple threat match, and that if the referee would have saw Charlotte tapping out Asuka, Charlotte would be the new Women's Champion. Nick would let Charlotte know that she will be facing EOS Sky next week for the Women's Championship. Now, as Charlotte was leaving the office, Triple H and Jade Cargill would walk in, and we would get a stare down from Jade and Charlotte. Now, again, they're pumping Jade to the moon. You saw her, like, walk up at Fastlane. You saw her appear at NXT. You now see her appear at SmackDown. I'm not sure if she did appear on Raw or not. Again, just I don't remember it, but you can tell again, they are doing something with Jade. They want to build up the they want to build up the suspense of where Jade might go. Will she go to NXT? Will she pop up on Raw? Will she pop up on SmackDown? And especially now with her having that stare down with Charlotte. Something that everybody wants to happen whenever that match actually does happen, Jade versus Charlotte, because um people have been Speculating this again, this is just a list of matches that Jade can now have. She can have it with Charlotte, Bianca, Bailey, Becky, Tiffany, Stratton. You could have her go off to different brands if you feel like it. But again, we don't know who Jade is going to basically go against or what brand she's in because they're just wanting to get that anticipation up. And I like it personally because if you can get someone that already has the hype from coming from another company, the way that AEW. Built Jade up, and you guys continue using that exact uh publicity and that exact type of momentum is only going to be best for not only the performer but also for the company. What they're trying to do with Jade, so I like what they're doing. Keep her face uh um, noticeable, keep her uh floating from one brand to another just to show up. and I would like to know where Jade's gonna uh, end up and when she's actually going to. Attack someone and what events are going to be personally because I think that's what everybody's just waiting for. Anyway, getting off our nerd rant here. Um, on to the next match. Undisputed Tag Team Championship match is Grayson Waller and Austin Theory as the Challengers going against Cody Rose and Jay Uso as the Champions. Cody and Jay would retain their titles by pinfall. Cody and Jay would execute the code D on Austin Theory. Then Cody would hit the crossroads on Theory to win the match for his team. Now, after the match, as Cody and Jay will leave the ring, they are met by Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, and Roman Rage on the stage. Now, before anything could happen, officials would come out and make sure nothing would happen, but you would get this nice stare down. You have Cody staring down Roman, uh, Jimmy staring down Jay. Again, I think these are matches that going to happen at WrestleMania. Jimmy and Jay, they said they want to have a match at Mania. I think they're going to try to hold it off as much as they can WWE until they actually have that match happen at mania. So I think that's kind of almost locked in if I'm going to be completely honest and uh, Roman and Cody. everybody thinks that's going to happen at mania. I think that's going to happen at mania personally, but again, we still have some time between now and when WrestleMania happens in Philadelphia. So things are always able to change, but I think that's the big master plan. If I'm going to be completely honest with you now, we go to the main event, Solo versus LA Knight. LA Knight would win the match by pinfall. Um, towards the end of the match, Jimmy Uso would try to attack LA Knight with a hip attack, but John Cena would come down to the ring and hit Jimmy with an attitude adjustment. Solo would then uh, hit Cena with a small spike. LA Knight would turn Solo around and hit him with BFT for the win, so LA Knight would win the main event. However, After the match was over as L.A. Knight was posing on the top turnbuckle. And when he got off, L.A. Knight would get hit with the spear from Roman Reigns. So as I said earlier, I said that Kevin Owens might be the next person to go against Roman. Apparently that's not the case. Because with Roman now hitting L.A. Knight with the spear. And with Roman having that confrontation that he had with L.A. Knight earlier in the show. Roman Reigns holds on to grudges. Roman Reigns did not forget. So he's going to try to make L.A. Knight's time on SmackDown. Hell, as long as, well, he's on the show and as long as Roman Reigns is on the show. Um, So LA Knight could be the next one up. I think the grand scheme of things, LA Knight might be the next one up, but Kevin Owens is like that other big fish because I think they're trying to, again, retell the story of Roman uh, going through past challenges that he had to face during his title run. And now with the exception of the bloodline kind of dwindling away from him, at least members are. Jey Uso has Jimmy Uso. He's trying to get himself back in, but I can see Roman kind of like squeezing on Jimmy and probably telling him to get out of here. And the next person going to line up was probably be solo. So again, I think we're going to get a rerun of like former opponents, but now with new outcomes, new people around uh, Roman or lesser people around Roman. But again, we'll have to wait and see as that goes. But LA Knight, he looks like he's next. And if not, Knight being next is Kevin Owens. Now, with that being said, that's your Down Wrestling Highlights of the week. And now we move over into AEW Rampage. We will start off with a trios match. We will have the Hardys and Isaiah Cassidy going against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia with Jake Hager in their corner. 2.0 and Daniel Garcia would win the match by pinfall when Daniel Garcia would hit a lifting DDT slash gut buster On Isaiah Cassidy for the win. Now after the match. Matt Menard would have a problem with Deo Garcia. Matt has a problem with. The way people see them as jokes. They see them as jokes. Because Deo Garcia is dancing. And all that type of crap. So throughout this match. As Deo Garcia would get tagged in. He was trying to do his dance. Matt Menard would kind of stop Deo Garcia. Periodically throughout the match. And that's what the big issue is. Uh, Cool hand and she would try to tell Matt that he needs to chill out. Daniel Garcia's dance actually got them the win tonight, so he probably needs to do what he has to do. Jake Hager would tell both Daniel and Matt that he needs to squash this. And Matt Menard, he's just not trying to have it. So it seems to me that Matt Menard and Daniel Garcia, they might lead into a match between the two, maybe. I think it will. And this might be the situation where it might get... Uh 2.0 and Jake Hager just jumping on Daniel Garcia because I don't see uh Hand Ange and Jake Hager leaving Matt Bernard and joining Daniel Garcia, to be honest with you. But again, we'll have to wait and see as Rampage uh goes on and that storyline happens on Rampage. Next matchup will be Jay Lethal with Jeff Jarrett, Saddam Singh, Karen Jarrett, and Sanjay Dutt in his corner going against Trent Retta, who will have Chuck Taylor in his corner. Jay Lethal would win the match by pinfall by hitting the lethal injection on Tripperetta for the win. Next matchup would be Emi Sakura going against Sky Blue. Sky Blue would win the match by pinfall by hitting Cold Blue. Next up, main event. Tag team matchup, the Gates of Agony with Prince Nana in their corner going against the Blackpool Combat Clubs, Willa Yuta and Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio and Willa Yuta would win the match by pinfall. With Claudio and Yuta hitting their assisted body splash onto Khan for the win. And that's how AEW Rampage would end. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I do want to make one small mention of something. This past week, um, A24, this Hollywood movie production company, they will put out the trailer for Iron Claw. Now, for people that don't know what that is, this is... Hollywood's telling of the Von Ericks, uh basically their story. Um, it's going to, I believe it's going to start off with them just being like teenagers moving into the wrestling industry. I think that's how it's basically going to start. And I'm not certain how people are going to take this. I don't know how people are going to uh, like it or not. I found the trailer very, very well put together. And usually that's how trailers are. But from what I saw in the trailers, I didn't have no beef with it. I think that this Iron Claw movie is going to be fine. I think it's going to um, get a lot of people that weren't into professional wrestling or probably watched it as a kid. I think they're going to at least put wrestling back into the focal point for certain individuals. And for people to understand how wrestling truly is. At least it was back in the day. And I think when this movie comes out, I think you're going to have AEW and WWE come out kind of like saying something about how wrestling has changed from then to now. Because if people know about the Von Erick's stories. They know that the Von Erick's that that family did not have a good ending. Like the only son of the Von Erick's that's still living is Kevin Von Erich. The um, that's like the only son that's still living. And the funny thing is his sons are wrestling right now. They're professor wrestlers. So, again, I don't know how this thing is going to play. I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. I don't I hope it turns out well, to be completely honest with you. I hope it does. One person that kind of said something about the trailer was uh, Kevin Von Eric's kid. He would tweet out, I knew it wouldn't be 100% accurate because my dad wasn't involved. But those of you that know our family know that God played a major uh, role in our story. Still excited about it. I think it can help a lot of people that are suffering from loss. They nailed the wardrobe, though. And that's the one thing people are saying that they did at least uh, pay attention to the wardrobe that the Vonerics did wear at the time. So I will give A24 that. Again, I think the trailer looked great. I know I'm going to watch the Iron Claw movie because I am a uh, professional wrestling fan. And again, I think that this is going to just open people's eyes up about professional wrestling. And it's going to give people um, respecting professional wrestling. And you know the funny thing is, wrestling has started to become that thing that's starting to get talked about again. I was around the age where the Attitude Era died and became the Ruthless Aggression Era. And WWE was still like, a thing in the mainstream for a little bit, but then it started to die down and started to go away, and anybody that still liked professional wrestling, that was your thing, and, like, the mainstream really didn't talk about it like that. Now the mainstream is starting to get back with professional wrestling. You have rappers coming to the WWE or AEW shows. You have uh, endorsements now featuring wrestlers on them and all these things, WWE doing numbers, AEW doing numbers, Wrestling started to become back into a limelight. And when you have Amazon doing a movie about a um, gay luchador down there, that tells you something and they have Bad Bunny in it. So that puts credibility into that movie. and makes people want to go see that movie just for Bad Bunny alone. And if you are Hispanic and you watch Lucha Libre, you're at least going to watch into that Amazon movie to see the story about that particular wrestler and how his Times were, and now here in America we have the Iron Claw, the Von Erich story. I believe that again, people are going to tune into this because you got big stars in this, like Zac Efron, and you got the dude from the Bear in this, and you got some other dudes in here. But yeah, people are going to tune in, and I think this is going to be one of these again, another movie that's going to shock a lot of people because this is this is not going to be. <laughs> heartwarming. There's going to be heartwarming moments in it, but ultimately this is going to be a real terrible, tragic type of ending. And if people know, they know. So again, I saw the trailer. I just wanted to put my two cents into it. I liked it. I'm going to watch it. And then when the movie actually comes out and I see it, I hope to come back here and tell you about it. And, uh, I'm going to be reading everybody else's social commentary as well. And, I want to see if everybody thinks the exact same thing once this movie comes out. Everybody said the exact same thing about the trailer. They liked the trailer. They are going to see the movie. But, again, we're going to have to wait and see how the movie actually comes out because the trailers are always different. It always looks fine until the movie comes out and then it could be utter trash. But I don't think that's going to happen because A24, they usually put out some solid movies, hopefully here, and with the wardrobe and with them uh, doing all the stuff that they have done with recreating what the sportatorium looked like in texas from outside the building to inside and even got old wrestlers talking about how the movie production people actually did a great job with that so again they put out good movies and it would from what i understand from what i've seen the wardrobe everything it looks fine it looks great i'm just i just can't wait to see it personally and that comes out in december i believe sometime in december let me try to get a like, date for it, it comes out December the, what, December the 22nd, so three days before Christmas, ooh, yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna watch it still, but three days you're doing this before Christmas, yeah, you're trying to give people, uh, some tragic moments as they're going into literally Christmas Day, but we'll wait and see about it, but anywho, that's just my thoughts on the Iron Claw movie, again. It's just dropped the first trailer. I expect more trailers to come out before the actual movie comes out because we're in October now, so it's time to start promoting the movie, but we'll see as time goes on. Now, with that all being said, this has been your wrestling highlights of the week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I, and I am him. I love you all. I thank you. And also, just want you guys to know I do have the midweek episode out If you did not listen to that, you can listen to it now And I will be coming out with a Sunday episode tomorrow Which I talk about everything that happens In the news that is going on this week Just want to make this Noted, I will not be talking about What's going down with Palestine and Israel All that stuff, again, I mentioned on the midweek episode If you did listen, I mentioned how I'm not smart enough to mention any of that Or talk about any of that, so that's the reason why I'm not going to be Talking about it, I gave my reasonings And more details on the midweek episode so if you want to listen to me explain my reasons why there you go but i just want to give you a nice understanding and an update about sunday episode will not be covering what's going on in like palestine israel over there so again just want to cover that but now with the self morning out of the way again this has been wrestling highlights of the week presented by my two cents podcast with my d2 he's i and i and him. i love you all i thank you i'll see you guys later